sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. On to NASCAR with Craig and Matt Sells. Before we get on to baseball with Gray Albright from Razzball and Craig Mish. Before we get to more football with me and Andrew Erickson, before we do any of that, let's talk about the things that are going on right now and the things that are you're looking forward to this weekend with some more headlines. So uh, one of the big headlines to drop is not even on here, but we're going to go through these first. Adrian Peterson was released by the Washington football team, so clearly turning the page. That means Antonio Gibson. That means Bryce Love. That means that's the future of the running back situation, at least in the short term for Washington, as they are, you know, they're just, Looking forward. And at this point, 35-year-old Adrian Peterson could very well latch on to a team. Anything's possible. But at the same time, I, I don't think this is a shocker here. Uh, Peterson actually had some decently productive years for Washington unexpectedly, considering at his age, most running backs are far, far out of the game by then. So anybody who can obviously play as long and as well as Adrian Peterson, you know he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. But it was time to move on from Washington. The Flyers are going to force a game seven against the Islanders tonight. So check out that one. I love game sevens in hockey. Oh my God. They're so good. The only thing better than a game seven in the NHL in the playoffs is overtime. Yes. Let's get some of that. That'd be fantastic. Miami looking to go three Oh against Milwaukee. Some shade being thrown yesterday too. Richard Jefferson calling Giannis, uh, Scotty Pippen and Scotty Pippen saying, Hey, I don't have uh, two MVPs. Uh, who the hell are you? Richard Jefferson. Whoa, <laughs> man, the shade going around through Twitter. Where was Twitter in the 90s when all those guys were playing? Oh, that would have been way more fun. Dennis Rodman on Twitter. That would have been great. Uh, the Lakers-Rockets game one tips off uh, today as well. So keep an eye on that. You got two game sevens actually in the NHL. So uh, keep an eye on that as well. So you've got hotbed of NBA and NHL happening. Sloan Stevens is going to face Serena Williams in the U.S. Open. So if you like tennis, you got tennis back now as well. And this just coming in too that apparently, apparently Jadavion Clowney is talking to the Saints. And talking to the Titans. So that's fascinating. Now, the Titans, I kind of get. The Titans defense is actually an underrated one. They played very well last year. Uh, Jayon Brown looks like he's going to be healthy too. That's a huge factor in whether or not they're going to be successful in 2020. But Davion Clowney getting added to that defense potentially in Tennessee as a pass rusher would be tremendous. Love to see that. Uh, look, Clowney's career, I think you could say overall, is just slightly overrated. And uh, a lot of people had that fear because of where he was being drafted as that potential number one overall guy years and years ago. He's had a lot of injuries in his career, missed a lot of time. But we all know when he's on the field, he is a force to be reckoned with. Played very well for Seattle Times last year. Now, if he ends up signing somehow with the Saints, that's going to be a fascinating one as well. Because the Saints are a team that's already in a cap nightmare potentially next year. So that just tells you they are all in. And I mean all in when it comes to 2020 and the saints probably need to be all in because when you think of the last couple of years in new Orleans, you think about heartbreaking gut wrenching, all of the, the fun verbiage of whatever terrible loss you could possibly fathom. Well, guess what? That's been the saints the last couple of years. And the saints have even had some battles in that dome, some great games there with the Rams some great games there with some other teams where they've really battled back and forth. But when you think about the playoff losses in the last couple of years, you think about missed opportunities and you start to wonder how much time does Drew Brees really have here? 
I mean, there were some talks about him maybe hanging out this year. A lot of talks last year going into the season that if they won it all, that he would probably walk away. And I guess when you're Drew Brees, you have to start to think about, okay, am I going to walk away here from the NFL at some point, whether or not I get that other trip to the Super Bowl? You know, everybody wants to control how they're going to leave things. And unfortunately, the NFL is not the place where you could do that. Uh, But if you look at the Saints roster, it's very difficult not to say that they have the best roster top to bottom. Uh, in the offseason, adding Jenkins back again. In the offseason, they, they've added some other ancillary pieces here, including Emmanuel Sanders to this offense. And I think it's very important to understand right now that the New Orleans Saints are probably at the very end of that window. And I know that's tough for a lot of you Saints fans, and we want to welcome in our radio audience here to Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid. But the Saints should indeed be favorites this year in that division. I know Tom Brady's there. It's a great story. I know... Thanos, I mean, Bruce Arians has added all of these pieces to his gauntlet, and it's fun. It's fun from a, a, a sports media coverage standpoint. It's from a fantasy standpoint. You got Fordette now. You got Gronk. You got Evans and Godwin, Tom Brady, the character of Bruce Arians. It's going to be fun television. I don't know if it's going to be wins. I still think the Saints are the class in that division. You look at that roster top to bottom, it's hard to argue. I'm looking forward to those games, without a doubt. But if the Saints fall short again this year, I think it's important to realize that this is probably the end of the wagon for this team. And that's going to be a tricky thing for Michael Thomas, potentially. It's going to be a tricky thing for Alvin Kamara, who's already in some contract discussions, as we know, with Sean Payton and the rest of this team. Now, Sean Payton's probably not going anywhere. Uh, I don't think he would just leave as well. But when you look at the cap, when you look at the roster, when you look at the age on this team, too, It's no surprise that they signed Winston to a one-year contract. If he grasps the offense, maybe they do hand the reins to him, and maybe Peyton can get more out of him than Arians did. I don't know how many quarterback whispers we're going to go through before we understand maybe Winston maybe is not as good of an NFL potential quarterback as scouts might have hoped at one point in time. But one thing is sure. Drew Brees is probably looking at the end of the window. The Saints are probably looking at the end of their window. There's a lot of teams right now that are kind of in that precipice. And now that you've added Tom Brady into that division— It just got more complicated for Drew Brees. And Drew Brees, you got to understand, too, you don't always get to leave the way you want. Now, I'm going to leave this segment the way I want because I'm in charge. But we come back. Craig's going to take over, take us through the weekend in NASCAR. So stick around right here on Sports Grid. More fantasy sports today, right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A lot of folks are getting ready for Fantasy Football Draft Weekend, and I'm sure my guest is as well in Matt Sells. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at TheSellsman and over at FantasyAlarm.com. But we're focused on the big NASCAR weekend. Why? It is playoff time in NASCAR. We're real excited to talk about that. The Cookout Southern 500 this weekend. And Matt, we're back at Darlington this weekend. And uh, just like a kind of overview, if you don't mind, your overall thoughts here as the postseason begins. So it's pre- I started my uh, track breakdown over at Fantasy Alarm today with, is it May or is it September? I can't really tell because they started the uh, season back up again with two races uh, at Darlington, one on a Sunday and one on a Wednesday night. Uh, So, yeah, this is the traditional spot for the Southern 500. 
Um, they are back on schedule again, so that's pretty nice to see. Uh, Darlington is a 1.36-mile egg-shaped track. And what I mean by egg-shaped, well, if you just look at it, um, you know, from an aerial view, you will see exactly what I'm talking about. One end of the racetrack is a lot narrower than the other end of the racetrack, so it kind of looks like the profile of an egg. Um, this is a track where tire wear is a big thing kind of like atlanta motor speedway and a couple other tracks we talked about throughout this year um so yeah it should be it should be pretty interesting to see exactly how this plays out because they uh the nascar basically put all 16 playoff drivers in the first 16 spots of the starting grid and then everybody else got set according to the formula they have for starting spots so it takes a little bit of, of surprise out of who's starting up front um but, you know, that's kind of the way they've decided to do it. So it'll be kind of interesting to see who shows up like they did in May and who's a little bit better or who's a little bit worse. Yeah, and I'm interested to see because I know that we've talked so much about Kevin Harvick. And, um, you know, now he's he's a pretty big favorite for one race. I know he's had a lot of success there. Let's take a look at the odds here for the Cookout Southern 500. These are courtesy of our friends at the FanDuel Sportsbook. We have Harvick at plus 280, Denny Hamlin at plus 310, Truex Jr. is 7-1. to one. Brad Keselowski at 12 to 1. Chase Elliott's also 12 to 1. And then, of course, we have Kurt Busch, who, or Kyle Busch, excuse me, who is uh, 14 to 1. Has actually moved up for this race, as far as what I can tell here, too. So um, let's let's kind of go through it here. Uh, Matt, is there is there chalk involved here? Uh, Jimmy Johnson's back in the mix here. He had success in the past. He's 35 to 1. Uh, and then, you know, of course, we have some others, uh, Alex Bowman, Ryan Blaney. I know we've mentioned them in the past as well. So how do you see this playing out? Um, so it's kind of hard to steer away from Kevin Harvick. Uh, I mean, the guy won here earlier this year in May. He looked pretty dominating um, in those races. He's dominated this track in the last four races at Darlington. Uh, he's got an average finish of 3.0, which is by far the best in the field. Uh, in the last eight races here, he's finished in the top five, seven times. Uh, so it's pretty hard to uh, excuse the pun, but steer away from Kevin Harvick at this point. I think he wants to get the playoffs rolling with a win. He doesn't need one to advance. He's probably pretty safe until about the round of eight uh, without a win. But I think he wants to send a message that he's clearly the one to mess with uh, for this championship. So... Uh, that would be my top choice. Uh, Denny Hamlin's hard to say no to as well. He's starting second. Uh, that's got pretty good shot of going. But if you kind of want to play the pole sitter, I wouldn't mind playing playing Chase Elliott. He's been really pretty good of late. Uh, seems to be dialing it in pretty well here. Um, so, yeah. But then a sleeper pick here, guy who's probably pretty, pretty high up there in the odds, uh, Eric Jones. We're going to go with Eric yeah, Jones. Yeah, he's moved up quite a bit, not only on the odds, but also uh, on DFS, too. We'll get to that in a minute. But he's over 10,000 on uh, on FanDuel this week. Yeah, that's because of the uh, – we'll get to it in a minute. But the position differential he has is is insane. Uh, Eric Jones won this race last year. His average finish in the last four races here is 5.5. The reason why he's probably a little bit of a longer shot is because he's starting 30th. And historically, out of 117 races at Darlington, 94.6% of the winners have come from the top 15 starting spots. Mm. So that's there's not a whole lot of hope for guys starting outside the top 15. But Eric Jones might be able to pull that off. All right. So uh, so let's take a look over on, on the, now the DFS site and let's get some advice here how to build a lineup this week. And by the way, you can catch all of 
Matt's work on the DFS side over at Fantasy Alarm. Uh, Harvick is priced at 14200 As you can see, we have Denny Hamlin at 13000 500 uh, Brad Keselowski, 12,600. Martin Truex Jr., 12,400. Now let's go under 12,4. We got Chase Elliott at 11,7. And Joey Logano at 11,2. And then not pictured on your screen, we have the Bushes. Bush at 11 and uh, Bush at 10,800. And then Jones, by the way, at 10,500 as well. So is it, um, I'll, I'll let you speak on it, Matt. Uh, how, how are you setting the lineup this week specifically? So Eric Jones is going to be a plug and play guy this week at 10,500 on FanDuel. He's basically just a tick above the average price um, per driver spot that you get on your set on your roster. So we're going to go with Eric Jones. As I just mentioned, his average finish here in the last four races has been 5.5. He won last year's Southern 500. Uh, he's been really good over here in the last eight races as well. And he's starting 30th because he's not in the playoffs. So he was based off of his the formula that they use, which takes into account his finish in the previous race, which was Daytona, which he wrecked out of, um, and then owner points and fastest lap. So uh, he's got quite a lot of position differential upside, so we're going to plug and play him. And then amongst the top drivers, we're going to have to go with Kevin Harvick again. I know it's boring, but he's actually starting uh, not really uh, – he's got some position differential upside uh, based on where he's starting because he's starting outside the top five. Uh, so he's still close enough to lead laps. He's going to be a contender here. Um, but you get a little bit more position differential than you would playing a guy like, let's say, Denny Hamlin starting second or Chase Elliott on the pole or, you know, even Alex Bowman, who I believe is starting fourth. So we're going to go with Kevin Harvick. And then at that point, you're going to have to find some cheaper guys uh, to fill in that will give you some uh, position differential. For you. Let, let me ask you about one other bet that they have this week over on FanDuel, uh, top three finish. And um, and the odds uh, for Eric Jones are five to one. Is that a good bet, taking him at five to one to finish top three? Do they have a top five finish posted? A, a top ten they have, and Ooh. he is minus 145. Yeah, exactly, because his average finish is five and a half. That's why I was hoping ah, they'd have a top oh, five. Okay. <laughs> um Top three, five to one. I'd like to get a little bit better odds than that okay. starting 30th. Um, if it was five to one on a top five, I would take it for sure. Um, I'm sure Kevin Harvick is underwater on both yeah. of those. Yeah, like Hamlin and Harvick are <laughs> minus 125 each. Yeah, that's not really not really worth it in my opinion. Um, I mean, Harvick is almost guaranteed that, so it's basically a safe bet. But I don't really like betting you know, negative odds in NASCAR. Not Not generally what I like to do. All right, so uh, set us up for next week. Uh, at where Where is week two of the playoffs? Week two of the playoffs, I believe, is Bristol. Uh, I believe it's Bristol Motor Speedway, a Saturday night race, a short track race under the lights. Um, oh, no, sorry. It's actually uh, Richmond. Richmond okay. and then Bristol. So I get the two short tracks a little bit mixed up here in the scheduling. But, yeah, it'll be Richmond. It's a Saturday night race. It's also a short track. Um, so there'll be some uh, beating and banging under the lights for a playoff win, and then they go to Bristol. Uh, also under the lights on a Saturday night is a cutoff race, so that's going to be really intense. Uh, so it should be quite quite a fun few weeks here in NASCAR. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you done drafting in fantasy football yet, or anything, or any? any uh, no, I actually haven't had any of my league drafts. Neither have I. I. Draft, <laughs> I have a draft on Monday on Labor Day at like noon for my home league, and then the fantasy alarm staff league happens, I believe, Wednesday night at nine Eastern. So about as close to kickoff as we can physically get. Um, so those are my main two. Those are my main two leagues that I'm doing. Um, might pick up one for this weekend as well, but. Haven't had any drafts yet. Yeah, it's a weird year for fantasy football. I think that it's it's like creeping up on us as opposed to getting beat down on our heads for three months. I think it's just like just kind of here and that you got to make the decision. Are you going to draft or not? And and so for me, I'm doing the same. I'm drafting Sunday and Monday, so um, it should be fun. Uh, Matt, thank you again, as always, for coming on the show. Really appreciated all of your insights uh, and, and previewing uh, all of of NASCAR's races uh, this year. And, you know, certainly appreciate you coming on this week. Thanks again. Sure thing. Always a fun time. All right, Matt Sells. Follow him on Twitter at the Sellsman, and of course, catch his work over at FantasyAlarm.com. Matt won NASCAR Writer of the Year in 2019. His picks are great, both in DFS and wagering as well. We'll take a quick break and be back with more right here on Fantasy Sports today. So stay on the grid and don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Labor Day weekend and Major League Baseball is a lot of fun. But you know what else is fun? Fantasy Baseball and Labor Day weekend. And joining us now to... Give a little bit of a preview of the weekend, perhaps recap the week in fantasy baseball. As always, is Gray Albright from Razball.com. You can check out all of their season projections in baseball. Of course, they do football as well over there and do a great job. So Gray's going to talk a little baseball with us and uh, take a look back, take a little bit of a look ahead. And Gray, it's great to see you again here on this Friday. Any big Labor Day weekend plans? No, I got nothing going on at all. All right, great. We'll move on from that, then. <laughs> Uh, a lot of TV watching for Gray. You know, it's it's interesting, Gray, that you know we're we're starting to come to the end of of the 2020 fantasy baseball season. We just started, but we're starting to come to the end. And in a couple of weeks from now, things will pretty much be settled. I think for the most part in the postseason. I know baseball was hoping for this mad dash of teams to get in at the end, but I think that in both leagues, you may have 14 of these things uh, settled. Uh, but I, I think for fantasy, it's always intriguing to me to wonder if what we're seeing is legitimate and. Um, you know, you and I were talking off the air about Zach Gallen, and there's very few players from this season that I think you and I would look at and go, yeah, like that guy next year, because of what happened one way or the other, would get a boost or uh, somewhere down on the rankings. But what, what Gallen has accomplished, Gray, without winning any games, by the way, but what he has been able to accomplish, I think is going to move him up quite a bit, maybe more than any other pitcher next year. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think Zach Gallen, even though we've only seen, you know, roughly five weeks at this point, he's probably a top eight to 10 starter off the board for me. Like, uh, you know, think about like where Lucas Giolito went this year yeah. in his leagues. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he's, you know, Gallen is a guy who I liked a lot this year. I thought there was a few question marks, but he's really toned down on his command has gotten much better and he's toned down on his walks, which is exactly what he needed to do. And it looks like, you know, he's just maturing into a better pitcher. And I think he is an ace now. Like it, this isn't, you know, there's no 
crazy Babbitt luck hiding in his profile. There's no like weird, oh, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, he can go deep into games. He's now, I think, at like 25 straight games of six plus innings and yeah. under three earned runs, which is just, you know, it's it's record breaking, really. Is it like to start your career? It's pretty remarkable. So, yeah, no, I think he is. Ex, I think he's an excellent, like n- low number one at this point, as you said with the wins. But those are so unpredictable that yeah, I, I'm in. Yeah, and, and the other thing too with Gallon is that you would imagine, Gray. That, I mean, look, the rest of this year is going to be a disaster. They traded Archie Bradley. Their bullpen is not good. Uh, so, you, I mean, he may win the Cy Young with two wins. I mean, it, it's certainly <laughs> possible. But but I think next year Arizona is very well built for the future, and I and I wouldn't have my concerns about that next year. And so, like, that's an example of a guy that I would be in on. Let me give you a, another player that sort of come out of nowhere uh, la- at the end of last year. And if he was playing over the course of the whole season, would be on pace for almost 50 home runs. And that is Anthony Santander of the Baltimore Orioles, who has 11 home runs this season, um, nine walks, 25 strikeouts. And, uh, you know, his OBP is around a little bit over 300. He's got no track record to show this over the course of the whole season. But simply extrapolating his numbers, he is one of the top three home run hitters essentially in baseball uh, this season, Gray. And that, for me, is an example of a guy that I think that could get drafted a little too high next year, expecting those numbers to have again. Uh, where are you at with a player like that who has really come on this year, like a force? Yeah, no, I think the uh, the biggest problem I have with Santander is that his skills are pretty prevalent around the league. So, you know, if you're going to go for him, that's fine. I wouldn't go that high on him because he's only giving you power and not much else. You know, not not a terrible drag on average, but still, he's not giving you any speed. So if he gives you, say, 32 homers, which feels like a realistic ceiling, maybe not necessarily just realistic, but a realistic ceiling, I would say that 32 homers is great for a 260 hitter, but with no speed, you can get that, you know, at just about anywhere after like you can even get that in like the 150 overall type pick. So I wouldn't like, you know, reach for a Santander because if he's doing that, it's, you know, it's pretty repeatable by other guys. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. And and again, the nine walks in 160 plate appearances, uh, yeah. 160 at bats, plate appearances, whatever. That's you know, 20 right. for the season, 30 for the season. Um, yeah. uh, I think he is like his power is legit. Oh, he's, he's going to hit 30 next year. I think that's a yeah. foregone conclusion. Yeah. Right. And, and if that's all you're looking for in a, in a you know, 250 batting average, 300 OBP, I'm, I'm sure he could do that. Uh, back to pitching for a minute. We've spent a lot of time in the last couple of months talking about the rookies who have come up and have not really fared out all that well in terms of pitching because Spencer Howard did and Nate Pearson did. And there have been some others as well. Dylan sees on and off. But then all of a sudden, Gray, in the last two weeks, I saw I've been seeing one pitcher in person and watching one on TV that has broken the mold. One in the NL, one in the AL. Sixto Sanchez of Miami has been fantastic. Tristan McKenzie of Cleveland, they pushed Clevenger out the door. They're like, forget it. We'll just put this guy in here and we'll be very happy. And he has looked good, too. I wonder how much better they can even be next year, because that has been an impressive thing to see from both of them. 
I'm like, I can't get over like Sixto Sanchez has just been like one of the best looking rookie debuts I've seen in a real long time. I mean, his uh, like not only is it his like his fastball is obviously overwhelming. It's a you know, it's a dynamite fastball, but his off speed stuff like the control he has, he's not walking anyone. And that is his profile. And when you're striking out guys and not walking them, like his, uh, you know, he gave up a, uh, I'm sure, well, you saw it, obviously. He gave up a home run the other day to Lawrence yeah. Gorbel Jr. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so he, that was like the only pitch he missed on. And it was still like a decent pitch that Guriel just happened to get into and drove it out to center. But it was like, wow, Sixto Sanchez is going to be really good. If he can stay healthy, I mean, he's just looks incredible. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, I also like a lot. I, I mean, you can't go wrong when a guy does it when he shows a lot of good command because, you know, you don't put guys on. So you're having a situation where you're not going to get, you know, beat for like the three run homer. So, McKenzie, uh, Tristan McKenzie is also like great. And the Indians have proven they can just take guys and make them into number ones. I'm expecting Cal uh, Quantrell to be like a number one piece <laughs> next year. Like I, it's just incredible what the Indians have done. Yeah, no, I mean, Savali uh, ended up being really good, too. It's really it's it's remarkable that uh, that that ended up happening. Um, when when you look at the trade deadline, Gray, we talked last week and we sort of previewed it a little bit. Was there anything earth shattering for you that affected you one way or the other in fantasy or reality or maybe something for the future? Because uh, I really didn't think there would be any big trades. And, and we did see a handful of pretty big names moved. Yeah, no, definitely. I think a lot of times, you know, I don't know all the contracts off the top of my head, but I think a lot of times, as I'm sure you're aware, when when a team wants to move a guy because he has a bad contract, they'll move even if it's only like a 60 game season, they'll just move him because it's like, you're going to take this contract? Have fun. We don't want it anymore on our books. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of guys got moved because it was just like, you know, Fever was in the air to do some trades, and it's like, oh, I can get this guy off the books. Let's get rid of him. Um, some of the moves actually that didn't happen were the most surprising to me was like I was saying last week how I thought the White Sox had a really good lineup and all they needed was a third pitcher. I'm surprised, like, even like the Mike Minor to the A's, like, Mike Minor going to the White Sox would change the whole dynamic of that entire team where you could have made a serious run in the playoffs. Now, I don't know. I mean, Dan Dunning has looked good, but let's be honest. I mean, I don't know if he's the answer for the playoffs. So I don't know. I I was surprised the White Sox didn't do anything. I was kind of surprised of how much the Padres did do. True. (laughs) It's like on the opposite end of the spectrum. It was like the Padres went out and literally did it. I mean, they were like – they were like the, uh, the the guy who goes to the supermarket and can't get through to the wife, so they're just, like, buying everything. They're like, I don't know. I think I'll she's- take that Austin Nola over there. Sure. <laughs> don't we have one at home already, honey? Yeah, we'll take another one. <laughs> Almond milk, cashew milk, get them both. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, the Padres might have did a bit too much because I actually would have liked to see the Padres just bring up Mackenzie Gore uh, versus doing a couple of these moves and just having Mackenzie Gore pitch like, you know, maybe the third 
through fifth inning of games. Like not necessarily for fantasy, more for real baseball, but you know, we'll see We'll see Mackenzie Gore at some point. Um, yeah. yeah. Let, let, let's, uh, let me ask you a quick question. I want to end with this, um, not to end on a downer, but uh, Jose Altuve had an MRI uh, on his knee, and, and I think he's going to be out for a bit. He uh, certainly hasn't had a good year. Do you think as we head into 2021 that it's it, that this is it? Do you think that Altuve's best days are now behind him and things have sort of caught up to him? Because I was betting against him, Gray, for like five years in a row, and I didn't know <laughs> Yeah. And so, and so this was the one year to do it, and of course, it doesn't really matter. Uh, do you think his best days are gone? Cheating stuff aside, I yeah, I mean, it's hard. You know, it's it's pretty hard to separate the cheating from uh, what's going on. Even though I do think it's kind of unfair to uh, put that on Altuve because I think he's just gotten old. Like it's I not, think that could be it. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't think it really. Like I think it's funny to go out there and like tweet about how like Altuve can't hear the trash can bang. So he's hitting 220. Like, okay. You know, it's a good goof, but in reality, I don't really think that's the problem. I think he's just declining because of his age. So yeah, I would, I would say that he's probably uh, on his way out. Like, uh, not not necessarily done, but on the on his decline for yeah, sure. I think so too. Hey, great! Thanks again for coming on with us and coming on all year, talking some fantasy baseball. We'll check back in a couple of weeks when we get to the finish line. Okay. All right. Gray Albright with us from Rasball.com. We'll take a quick break. Joe Pizapia back in the house. Coming up. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We are in the thick of fantasy football draft season. There's nobody I'd rather talk to more about that than our good friend Andrew Erickson from PFF, from Pro Football Focus. Andrew, this is it. This is what we live for. This is where we're at right now. It's draft season, and I know I'm excited about it. How are your drafts going, my friend? Man, it's all about wake me up when August ends, not September. I can't wait for (laughs) September, man. It's been going good. I've had a couple drafts in August, but now it's really starting to heat up. I have chock full of drafts coming up, and I'm getting the guys I like. My My Guys article came out on the website last week. I'm getting a lot of Josh Jacobs, a lot of Joe Mixon, so I'm glad to see that he's he's locked and loaded. Yes, we all are very happy about that, two of my guys as well. And whenever smart people like the same guys, you should listen up, everybody, because that's a good thing for your fantasy team. Let's talk about Joe Mixon. Agreed to a four-year deal with the Bengals earlier this week. Um, I'm not surprised. I mean, the fact that he had this headache Oh, my goodness. Negotiations aren't going so well. I I really don't feel good enough to practice today. And then all of a sudden, everything's fine uh, after that deal gets signed. So I think this is a great move. You need to support Joe Burrow here with a running back you can count on. It reminds me again of, you know, when you bring in Andrew Luck uh, as a starting rookie quarterback. Same thing with Burrow. You want to support him with as much as you possibly can and surround him with good talent. And Mixon's certainly part of that. You have to take some pressure off the young kids. So going forward, not just in redraft, but in keeper leagues, you're kind of like me, right? You feel really good as Mixon being your RB1, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I think that he's a guy you can get. He's going in the later half of the first round because you have kind of those top four guys. You have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire kind of falling in. Some people are reaching him as early as five, six, or seven. And then sometimes Derrick Henry goes, I would take Mixon over Henry personally. That's kind of where I see it. 
And then you have Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams. So I really like getting Mixon as an RB. You can also pair with another running back like Josh Jacobs, like a Nick Chubb, if you want to go running back, running back, or if you want to start with a Joe Mixon or a Julio Jones, I really like that kind of start to draft. All right. Now it seems like Jacksonville has turned the page from Leonard Fournette. They they tried as hard as they possibly could <laughs> to find someone to play with, but no, nobody would do it. And now they had to release him this week. And uh, now you have a vacuum here at running back. So I'm going to ask you, what are your thoughts on Ryquell Armstead? Because you and I both know whenever all of a sudden the guy gets elevated, sometimes there's questions. They say, well, you know, this guy's a backup. He's a backup for a reason. What are your thoughts on Armstead? Can he be a viable, let's say, RB2? Is he a flex RB for you? Where do you kind of rank him in terms of his style and in terms of the offense as a whole in Jacksonville? I think that this is very similar to what we saw last year with the Miami Dolphins, where we had a starting running back by the name of Kalen Balaj. No, and, and he yeah. crushed, he crushed dreams last year. And sometimes, even if you are the starting running back on a team and you're getting carries, it just it doesn't matter if the team isn't in a position to score points. You're not catching passes because you have Chris Thompson there. I don't know. I see people blowing their fabs on Jaguars running backs, and I just can't get behind it. If it, if it was up to me, I still prefer Divino Ozigbo. That's how you pronounce his name. Divino Divino Big We're Zigbo. all learning. We're all <laughs> there's a learning curve with Divine. Right, Let's exactly. just call him Divine. So I, I actually prefer Divine over Raquel Armstead. Armstead has missed a lot of time. At training camp, he was put on the COVID-19 list earlier in the offseason, and he's just coming back. He's still missing time, and Ozigbo's getting all the reps. And out of college, looking at the production, it was Ozigbo that was the better college producer than Armstead out of Temple. So I prefer Ozigbo, but realistically, I'm going to be targeting Thompson, and, and that's probably it. Okay, so Thompson only in the PPR then as like a, a flex RB or as a backup RB? Yeah, I think that he's going to have his weeks cut you know, those PPR backs, you see, they always have those spike weeks when the team's trailing by a ton of points. You see with mm -hmm. James White, Tariq right. Cohen, when the team is just trailing, it's just like peppering checkdowns. And obviously the Jacksonville Jaguars don't profile as a high-powered offense where they're going to be winning <laughs> by a lot of games. So I just don't think they're going to be had the chance to, you know, be able to run the football effectively. And Garter Minshew is a guy who's going to probably score more rushing touchdowns this year just because he scrambles a lot. So that could take away more touchdowns for the running backs. So, again— I don't feel bad if I don't get either Armstead or Zigbo in my drafts. All right. So speaking of garbage time, let's stick around in Jacksonville for a second. Does this change at all uh, the value of DJ Shark? Because Shark was a guy I was very impressed with last year. I thought he ran really good routes. He seemed like he had a really good instinct, good awareness on the field, uh, good hands, like everything you're kind of looking for for a wide receiver one on a team. Now, in terms of fantasy, this is a team that's behind a lot. Like, I don't have a lot of faith in Gardner Minshew, but I think Gruden might be able to get him to uh, at least a, another gear in his game. Is Shark somebody on your radar for all the reasons that the running backs are not now that Leonard Fournette has gone and made that void? Joe, it's crazy. I feel like we've talked about DJ Chark before. I'm having a such a deja vu moment here, but <laughs> I think that you're spot on. I, I think that he's going to be that wide receiver one in the offense. He showed us last year that he could be the alpha. And if you look at his game splits compared to a guy like Kenny Galladay last year, the first nine weeks of the year, Kenny Galladay was wide receiver seven. He's being drafted as wide receiver seven. You know, obviously people are projecting him like how he played with Matthew Stafford right behind him. Wide receiver nine. DJ Chark. DJ Chark is currently your wide receiver 21 in ADP. So oh, it's so good. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's too easy to pass up. Minshew is really accurate down the field, and that's where Chark makes his, his bread and butter. So I'm all about DJ Chark in the fifth round. Sign me up. 
Yeah, and I've been moving him up ever since the Fournette news happened. I already like Shark anyway, and it's funny because I feel like there's actually been a negative spin. Most people go, oh, now Jacksonville's just punting, and I say, yeah, Jacksonville's punting. They're going to do a lot of punting a lot of times, but they're also going to be a lot of chucking the ball downfield because they're not going to be able to be very good. So this is, I think, more of a positive than people realize, and the fact that his possibility and potential has gone up but his ADP is actually starting to go down even more a couple spots is, is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. I love it so much. Uh, let's talk about another guy too, that I know you and I both like a lot. It's Cortland Sutton of the Denver Broncos. Now, a lot of people like to knock the Broncos and say, well, it's not a really good passing offense. Look, they're going to be very run heavy attack. But to me, the, the, the presence of Jerry Judy there on the field really helps Sutton quite a bit. I understand he didn't get the biggest amount of volume in the world, but my goodness with the, the bad quarter play that Sutton, quarterback play that Sutton got last year, I mean, he was so efficient. Everyone talks about the efficiency of A.J. Brown. What about the efficiency of Cortland Sutton with the opportunities he had? So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on Sutton this year going into the year with now, again, more of a running game to support, a full offseason, whatever was left of the offseason basically with Locke, and now this Denver Broncos looking for uh, with a new offensive coordinator as well? Yeah, there's no denying Cortland Sutton's talent. I think it's the quarterback position that people are concerned about with Drew Locke. He only played five games last year. He was, he was good from a wins-loss record, but didn't really push the ball down the field, you know, what we saw. But that was really different from what we saw him do at college. He was a deep ball thrower at college, and I think that's the reason why the Broncos fired Scangarello at OC, brought in Pat Shermer, who, I mean, if you watched Daniel Jones last year, that dude was chucking bombs. So he absolutely was. that's what I expect to see from Drew Locke. They're going to push the ball down the field vertically more often. And Colin Sutton, he's one of the best deep ball threat receivers in the game. So mm-hmm. for me, I like the established chemistry between Sutton and Locke, especially with a, a season with so much limited time. They have that built in connection already. And Locke was looking at for Sutton in those five starts. So I love him from a volume standpoint. I love him from a touchdown standpoint. He gets all the great targets and you know, when he was, you know, during that five game stretch, he led the NFL end zone end zone targets. So locks looking for him in the money places of the field. All right. So we talked about some good things. Let's talk about some negative stuff because I'm a little concerned for the Eagles right now. Uh, Jalen Regor is going to miss up to a month, potentially. Who knows? Uh, stop me if you've heard this one before, but Alshon Jeffries hurt. I know it's crazy, but it's true. And uh, here we go again. It's the tight end show with Goddard and Ertz. We'll see if Miles Sanders is a little banged up too, can continue to be a presence in the passing game. But I mean, right now it's like Deshaun Jackson's the default guy. I mean, our Sega white sides out there too. I, I mean, what do you make of this Philadelphia Eagles passing attack at this stage? Because we're right back where we started last year. I feel like with Carson Wentz to enter the season and it's not a good place to start from a fantasy perspective. And, and now we're putting all of our eggs into the basket of Deshaun Jackson, who's 110 years old coming off a year. He missed the entire season. I mean, what do you make of this Eagles offense right now? I don't know if Zach Ertz made a deal with the devil to make sure that he, always get, <laughs> he always gets his targets, man. But no matter what, every year we go and be like, no, there's no way you can get the same targets. Well, what do you know? Everyone else got hurt again. So Zach Ertz, again, is going to be eating that offense. So I think that he's actually someone I'm looking at more often now in the fourth round of drafts. I think that he's a really good pick. But for me, it's Deshaun Jackson. He's a arguably the, the number one wide receiver on the team, and you can get him in the ninth, 10th, 11th round of drafts right now. And look, he usually doesn't. He's probably not going to last the whole year, let's be honest. But the guy has six 100-yard week one games on his resume. If you if you draft him, you have to play him week one because oh. it's you don't know how many times he's going to be able to go off. And, and the matchup's great. You know, he's going to be matched up against, stat, against. That's a great stat. He's going to be matched <laughs> up against Ronald Darby, who 
was routinely burned last year. You yeah. know, he's a, obviously an Eagle and he was an Eagle last year. And now he's on the, uh, on Washington. So Sean Jackson, I mean, it feels bad because you draft him as like your wide receiver five, but you have to start him week one. Yeah. And for you DFS folks out there too, pay attention to what Andrew's telling yes. you. Cause I'm sure he is not going to be very expensive. And uh, <laughs> in GPP DJX can still get free for one. He just needs to get free for one. That's all he needs to do. And the rest kind of falls into place. Let's talk about San Francisco. Let's go to the other side now of the country and Debo Samuel looking optimistic about week one, but you kind of threw out a name there with me before we were talking, uh, coming on air today about Kendrick Bourne, who, to me, was another guy that I saw last year in the playoffs have some big moments and moments in the red zone, too, which I think is really particular because George Kittle hasn't caught a lot of touchdowns here for the 49ers. But I've noticed when they get down to that red zone area, Kendrick Bourne is a guy they look to quite a bit and had some success there in the playoffs. So is Bourne a guy that regardless of Debo Samuel and his health, that people should be targeting in some deeper leagues this year? Yeah, I think that you hit it spot on. He's a red zone weapon for them. You know, a crazy stat I found out about Kendrick Bourne was so touchdowns inside the 10 yard line since 2018. He ranks second around the wide receivers with nine touchdowns inside the 10 yard line. They're looking for him. They're calling his number in the red zone, whereas these other receivers are really more yak receivers. That's not Kendrick Bourne's game. He's a big target and he's going to get open in the red zone, which is what they exactly they do. So he's not going to get you a ton of yardage, but Hey, he's going to be cheap in DFS. You need a guy that's going to score a touchdown. It's a good matchup. I think that Kendrick Bourne's people are sleeping on him, especially with all the injuries at the with the 49ers have. Yeah, speaking of those injuries too, uh, on that 49er offense right now, it's it, you had Mostert make that run at the end. You know, there's other guys in this offense that they want to get touches to. How do you approach that 49er offense, generally speaking? Because I still think Garoppolo has a long way to go. When I watched him last year, it's a lot of slants over the middle. If you could stop them from doing that, like the Chiefs defense did in the second half of the Super Bowl, all of a sudden I think you can kind of own them a little bit because you force Garoppolo to throw the ball deep, and that's still not his strong suit. So Debo is a guy that slants over the middle. Kittle's a guy that works the middle of the field. You know, Mostert's a guy, too, that, you know, get him out in space. Do you think this 49er offense can have the same kind of run they had last year? Or do you think that they could be in a little bit of trouble now that the book might be out on them a little bit? I think that the defense is going to regress a little bit, which I think is going to make it so that they have to throw more, which, again, may or may not be a good thing. But Garoppolo is now kind of in his second season, full season now with with Kyle Shanahan. So you expect him to take another step forward. But again, with war injuries kind of piling up, it's hard to expect, well, well, why didn't you get better? Well, all my receivers are hurt. So that's why I didn't get any better. So I do expect them to have more passing ball. I mean, I don't think you're going to see them just be able to run the ball like, you know, in that Packers game where he only threw five times, 10 times because it's not because, oh, we ran 10 times. That's why we won the game. It's like, no, it's because we were winning is why we were able to, to run the ball so effectively. <laughs> uh, and I also heard <clears throat> a little birdie told me that now all of a sudden everyone can get a little bit more. Andrew Erickson, is this true? I heard you're hosting on Sirius XM now on Sunday night. Is this true? Can we call in now and and talk football with you? Oh, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to be happening. Uh, Week one. Week one, baby. Very exciting. So check him out over there. Uh, You can also follow him on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore. I always got to look to make sure where the underscore is. Some people put it in the middle. You put it at the end. Was there reasoning behind that? Was that was that a creative choice? No, it's because I couldn't buy off the Twitter handle from whoever has (laughs) at Andrew Erickson. So if they're listening (laughs) and my DMs are open. Oh, hey, look, don't feel bad. I, I'm I'm not the only Joe Pizapia either. You would think I would be. I am not. So I couldn't make that work. But look, Andrew's going to help you out. 
with all your fantasy needs. So go over, follow him on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore. Go check out all his great work at PFF and all the great work by the entire team over there at Pro Football Focus. They do great stuff. Andrew, best of luck in your remaining drafts. May all of your team stay healthy. And I'll talk to you soon, my brother. All right, we're going to hit a break. We come back. More Sports Grid, more fantasy sports today with me and Craig Mish right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. What a fun show it's been today. A fun Friday. I want to thank all of our guests. Gray Albright, Emery Hunt. Matt Sells, Andrew Erickson, so many guests, so little time. What a great week it's been here uh, for Fantasy Sports Today. I also want to thank our guys, Danny Okers, and I want to thank uh, Brett Levy, and of course, Chris Kofsky, who uh, is going to be moving on to another shift. He's been so instrumental here on the program. I've loved working with Chris at Diamond Bets as well, but he's going to be stuck with me every Sunday. So Fantasy Game Day starts in two weeks. That's right. Every Sunday morning, 8 a.m., get your coffee and get me, Matt Stryker, and a whole Bunch of fun guests over there talking fantasy football, DFS, season long, everything. You got it. 8 a.m. on Sports Grid starting in two weeks. So before we get out of here today, let's do a little Sports Grid 60. Let's fire it up. All right. So Adrian Peterson has been let go by the Washington football team. And yes, Adrian Peterson will absolutely be a Hall of Famer, regardless of whatever problems you might have with him personally. However, this is a good move for the Washington football team. Time to turn the page. Let's see what Antonio Gibson is. Let's see what Bryce Love is. Let's see what the future of this franchise is now. Because guess what? The present is probably a last place team. Yeah, you showed some fight last year. That's good. I think Ron Rivera is the right guy. Hopefully he's going to be healthy enough to get in there and lead this team to some more victories this year. But to be frank, to be honest, it's still a team rebuilding, still a team trying to figure things out. So Good youth movement. Let it begin. Let's start right now. Oh, and by the way, Antonio Gibbs is going to cost you a lot in some drafts now. I might want to get a little nice love share as well. We're at it. Yeah, just saying. Might be a little cheaper on the waiver wire. Go check it out. All right. That'll do it for me. Again, it's been a great week of shows. If you want to check out Diamond Bets this Sunday, go ahead and do that. Matt Stryker and I finishing up baseball strong here. And like I said, we're transitioning into football. We're going to have a lot of great programming here. Rollo Grid's coming up in the afternoon. So much great stuff. That'll do it for me, Joey P. That's the story of the game. I appreciate you watching. We'll see you next time, kids. Enjoy your holiday weekend. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.